The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Professor Gareth Fisher's students and to everyone. It's wonderful to see so many here this morning to sit together and to support Joraku. She had to leave because they are also holding a service today at Plymouth Church. It's so important, isn't it? to really give of ourselves to each other, to be here for each other in times of happiness, in times of grief, in just ordinary day-to-day life. The gathering together that is at the heart of what may seem to be solitary practice is truly life-changing. In Zazen, each one of us is completely solitary, completely alone, and at the same time, all one. You understand we just add an L? The L is always there. We're not leaning on each other. We're not dependent upon each other's presence, and yet we really sense the interconnectedness when we sit together. Friday night, there was a special service at Temple Concord with a klezmer band. How many of you have heard klezmer music? It's very joyous. So all of the prayers were sung to the accompaniment of trombone player, saxophone player, guitarist, and drummer. 
And it was Cantor led the singing. And it was like Jewish gospel. It was really fun. And in his talk, Rabbi Dan Feldman spoke about what I'm saying today, the importance of gathering together, the importance of community. Of course, in each hall of worship, as we may say, each zendo, each mosque, church, temple, there is this sense of this particular community but it ripples outward if we really understand this treasure of sangha we know how vast this sangha really is beyond denomination beyond ethnicity color race nationality, even beyond what we call human, beyond what we call sentient. There is a koan in Zen about the teachings that can be heard by insentient beings. Those beings, we, when we are upholding a vegetarian diet, eat without a thought. How many times do you honor the carrots? They, too, are preaching this wondrous dharma. And the more people study plants, the more the most amazing things are understood. Like they know when danger is coming to one of their fellows and they try to stick together. They try to alert each other. Oh, somebody's coming with a chainsaw. Better watch out. There are actual physical changes that show that awareness, right? Scientifically proven, also mystically understood. The mystical and the scientific are not two. Science often seems a little late to the party, but We say, okay, it's proven. Scientific studies have shown. What we have experienced. So 
this coming together, this gathering, this upholding of intention that we mean by Sangha. is truly a wondrous thing. We, too, understand intuitively about this connectedness, just as the trees do, the carrots do, the palms. I was just in Florida admiring so many different kinds of trees that we don't see here. And yet, geographically apart, still part of this vast web of life. And what's so disturbing in the current political climate is the depth of antagonism and divisiveness that goes against what I'm talking about in such a severely aggressive way, severely dangerous way. Jiraku was talking about her mother's trip to Germany in 1939 and at the time admiring the jackets of the Hitler Youth. And at the time, there were many people who thought, oh, great, Hitler's going to solve our economic problems. He's going to keep out the other so that we can make this nation great again. Does that sound familiar? We cannot ignore of course fundamental perspective perspective of the earth as one planet in the great cosmos. We can say well these things come and go but we are a part of it. We are interconnected. And our intention is very crucial. How we live this life, how we recognize what may be done to the plants next to us, right? You understand I'm not just speaking about plants. It's very easy for someone to come along and 
play on and prey on people's fears. To the point where we get involved in another war, where we put all Muslims in relocation camps the way the Japanese were put during World War II, internment camps, concentration camps. Someone said, if you don't know history, you are condemned to repeat it. Philosopher said that. Do you remember who? Hmm? Nowadays, all we have to do is go and check Google. Santayana? Someone said that. Your homework is find out. No history or you are condemned to repeat it. This is a time of danger. We may have scoffed in the early stages of the campaigning. Oh, this will never happen. People said that about Hitler, too. So to come together, to work together, to sit together, to march together, not as Hitler youth, but as the caregivers and caretakers of all beings. It's not about this policy or that program. It's about understanding there are no others to keep out. And of course, it all comes back to what we have been looking at over these past few weeks of talks and dharma discussions, the mind. We are what we think, as the Dhammapada puts it. And when our thoughts are filled with hatred and fear, and when we don't understand how ignorance can shape and break a nation. We're in trouble. 
So I was reading a new book by Thich Nhat Hanh called Silence. And he has a passage here that's very much like what I was saying about so-called insentient beings. When someone around us is feeling bad or is carried away by negative thinking, we can sense it. Everyone here knows this, right? You're with somebody who is really trapped in a cycle of negativity, and you don't know what to do. You sense it, but how do you break that cycle? Of course you cannot intentionally tell that person, stop thinking negatively. doesn't really work. They just get angrier. Nevertheless, we have a responsibility. The political, coming back to the personal, right? Then he says, every time we have a thought, whether about ourselves or the world, the past or the future, we somehow emit the thoughts and views that are at the base of that thinking. We produce thought, and our thought carries our views and the energy of our feelings. And of course, that then comes into our speech and our activity. Right? When we get caught in negative thoughts and worries, Thich Nhat Hanh says, it's easy to create misunderstanding and anxiety. Of course, it's not just easy to have that happen in a passive way, it's used politically to augment and intensify misunderstanding and anxiety for a certain wished-for outcome. So how crucial it is for us to do this practice with all our heart, to change our minds from getting caught in that kind of negative cycle. So that what is emitted from each one of us is the antidote to that poison. Believe this, all right? I don't tell you what to believe. Usually I don't, right? Believe this. Your mind is so powerful. Thich Nhat Hanh says, when we stop the thinking, that negative thought cycle, and calm our mind, we create more space and openness. So obviously the space and openness doesn't end right here, right? Two inches, three inches, five inches from my body, right? We are all interconnected. So of course... What's going on in the world today is affected by that creation of more space, more openness, less restricted, less compressed, 
less fearful. And then he says, so each of us has a choice. You have a choice. Your thoughts can make you and the world around you suffer more or suffer less. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, All these roots under the uh, surface of the ground, they're all connected. So whatever we are thinking is affecting all the beings that we see that are coming up from the surface of the earth. Even the ones we can't see that are circling around all those dead stars. So many beings, we have no conception. There is no way we can have a conception about this truth. Even when scientific research corroborates, took you so long. So Thich Nhat Hanh says, if you want to create a more collegial, harmonious atmosphere in your workplace or community, don't start by trying to change other people. But isn't this typically where we start? We notice somebody is being belligerent. We notice somebody is being careless. We notice somebody is being hostile. We notice somebody is whatever we decide is not right, right? And we think, well, if I can get that person to change, then everything will be fine. Maybe at workplace, maybe in Sangha, maybe anywhere, in the classroom, in your dorm. How many of you have noticed that there's one person that you happen to have to interact with in, on, on campus, right? And if you could only get that person to change, things would be fine. It could be a professor, right? Yeah. That professor just doesn't understand me. If that professor understood me, I would be getting an A. Well, maybe an A minus. Don't start by trying to change other people, he says. Your first priority should be to find your own quiet space inside so you can learn more about yourself. No history. K-N-O-W. History. Or you're condemned to repeat it. We all know that personally, right? We all know our habits. We all know our conditioned ways of responding and reacting. But the knowledge doesn't sink down deeply enough for us to really say, okay, it's time to change my mind. What is Zazen but experiencing this with full body-mind awareness? Now, of course, for many of us, period of Zazen is a period of aimless wandering in the mind, right? Thought after thought, 
kind of uh, chain, enchainment, instead of enchantment. Zazen is really enchantment. Just this. It's most enchanting. But very frequently, we deviate from that. And we get caught up in our own history in ways that are not freeing, not spacious, right? I've noticed that when I feel I have a cough coming on, it's because I'm thinking. That's all. But I can go back and watch that physical manifestation of that obsessive thinking pattern. Again and again, we have to learn how to let it go. Because we have this conditioning, we have this history. Each one of us has a history. It's bringing us together. Isn't that wonderful? But now that we are brought together, what are we going to do? Yada, 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 yada. <coughs> Of course. So we do have a choice. We have a choice to feel kind of self-pitying absorption in our own difficulties, right? Very common. Very common to have this kind of ongoing thought process. Well, if this hadn't happened, if they hadn't done, I'm gonna. It goes on and on and on and on, and there isn't any need to put words there, because everyone's familiar with the feeling. But the words definitely grab us and produce new words. This is the whole thing about what thinking does, what your absentness is, absent-mindedness does. Being elsewhere. It may not seem like such a big deal to be absent during any one particular moment of zazen, but I think it is a serious matter and one in which we only, we ourselves can change. I can exhort you to do so, but you have to really be willing to make that choice because after all, it seems as though you're not hurting anybody by engaging in this thought process. But the more we look at things this way, the more we see this interconnectedness. Every body, every being, every sentient and insentient thing is affected. So, of course, if we look at it negatively, we're 
kind of spraying all this negativity all around us when we don't take zazen seriously. Wander on. But look around. The innate perfection of the universe continues no matter what. But we are living in these particular forms at this particular time, and we have particular effects. Hmm? It's a very interesting paradox, isn't it? Everybody loves to kind of get into this spatial kind of, you know, uh, spiritual bypassing mode of, well, from a fundamental perspective, it doesn't really matter because, you know, okay, well, eventually all humans will be extinguished and there will be no more life forms on the planet Earth. But so what? Because the planet Earth is just one of many planets and, you know, the universe is all just one big unknown Never born, never dying, no form, so what the hell does it matter? It matters. It really matters. You each matter. I'll just finish with a small uh, rest of this paragraph by Thich Nhat Hanh that I've been kind of riffing on. So I think the last thing I read from him was, don't start by trying to change other people, right? Okay, here's the rest of that paragraph. Your first priority should be to find your own quiet space inside so you can learn more about yourself. This is the no history part. This includes getting to know and understand your own suffering. Not in the way of getting stuck in that cycle of guilt, blame, and recrimination that we often find ourselves swirling around in, but in the sense of truly knowing yourself, as Socrates put it. What is this self, anyway? What's it made of? Who am I, really? Then he says, when your practice is solid, by that he means when you can see the way your mind is engaging, your moving away from this present moment into this kind of wandering and self-absorbed shutting down from the present moment. He says, when your practice is solid and you've already harvested some of the sweet fruits of getting to know yourself, you can consider ways you can make more room to bring silence, 
deep looking, understanding, and compassion into your work and your community. So we have this opportunity. Each one of us has this opportunity. We can take it or we can ignore it. But the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, are three aspects of the same mind, awakened mind, Buddha. Why would you want to live in any other way? It's all here right now. When we are willing, when we have the deep intention to be this Buddha that we fundamentally are. And of course, it doesn't mean you have to give up your other religion, whatever that may be, or your agnosticism, or your atheism, or anything else. You don't have to give up a thing. Just give up everything. Not one thing or another thing, just everything. Especially give up any idea you may have about what Buddha is, right? No concept. Drop everything. Let Buddha shine. Dharma. What is this? What is this awakening from ignorance? What is this being in total harmony with every aspect? Everything is teaching us all the time. this dharma manifesting. Whenever we feel out of sync, whenever we feel something is difficult to comprehend or accept, that is teaching. Come back to the essential oneness of being. Don't get so scrambled up about this aspect or that. And the treasure of Sangha, which is where we began this morning and where we always begin with this sense of joyous communion 
oneness of mind and deep gratitude.